Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. ADHD, the acronym for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It's a mental condition that makes it difficult for a person to pay attention. If you find it difficult to pay attention to this program today, don't be too concerned. We may not be doing our jobs well enough. But if we are, and you're still struggling, stay tuned because Dr. Jennings is here to explain what's going on, how you may have gotten here, and what you should do about it. He joins us today via Skype. Dr. Jennings, how big a problem is ADHD in this world? That's a great question, Charles, because there actually are different diagnostic rates in different parts of the world. Mm. The United States has a higher incidence of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder than is diagnosed in Europe. And some people have argued, well, that's because of uh, artificial diagnosing here in the United States. Too many people are too eager to diagnose. I have my own hypothesis. And again, I want to emphasize hypothesis, not proven fact about that. But I think uh, hypothesis are, if you think about what one of the symptoms of ADHD is impulsivity, Hmm. making decisions on the spur of the moment right now, not thinking it through. And what kind of people get on a little tiny boat and sail three months across an ocean to an unknown, unproven world. Uh, Okay. The more cautious and thoughtful people would probably be a little bit more reluctant to do that. And so it's possible there could have been a selection bias in the people initially coming over to America in the new, new world of the pilgrims and so forth as potentially being more impulsive. But We do know that ADHD is more overrepresented in prison populations Mm -hmm. because people that uh, break the law are often impulsive and make decisions without thinking them through. And, and, uh, you know, Georgia and parts of the United States started out as a penal colony. And so that could have been another selection bias. So perhaps there's more going on in the United States because of a genetic selection bias that led to a population that has higher concentration of ADHD at risk genes. What is ADHD? ADHD is a disorder of prefrontal cortex function. That's the part of the brain behind your forehead Mm -hmm. where you organize, plan, focus, attend, problem solve, self-restrain, and resist impulses. And if we have some dysfunction of that part of the brain, it can cause either ADHD, the disorder, or the mimickers or imitators of ADHD. In other words, the same symptoms of ADHD, but not from ADHD, from some other impairment of the prefrontal cortex. A classic example would be a a serious sleep disorder where you're chronically sleep deprived because chronic sleep deprivation will cause inattention problems in the same type of functional impairment as inattentive ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so that person who gets their sleep disorder fixed would have their inattention issues issues resolve where an ADHD person wouldn't. But if you tested them at a point in time, they might look just very much the same. Now, is ADHD something that comes upon you suddenly in life or are you born with it? 
according to the diagnostic criteria, it has to manifest before the age of 12. And this is a little Mm. tricky because there's three types of ADHD. There's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, inattentive type, which means you only have symptoms of inattention, distractibility, lack of focus, forgetfulness, procrastination. There's the hyperactive type, which you have the fidgetiness, the impulsivity, the blurting out, the can't sit still. And then there's the combined type where you have both. Mm -hmm. Essentially, all of the hyperactive types are identified before age 12. Because they're just so fidgety, so uh, hyperactive, so energetic, so resistant to being able to restrain their impulses that that they they draw so much attention to themselves that they actually get identified, most of them. It's the inattentive ones that will have symptoms during those first 12 years, but they may not actually be identified till high school or even college, especially if they're high IQ. Mm. The higher IQ they are, the further down the scholastic trail they can get before they reach the limits of their capacities. And so the metaphor to understand that would be if you have high speed internet versus slow speed internet, high speed internet would be a high IQ person. They don't have to stay online very long to download and assimilate a lot of information. The regular IQ person or low IQ, either one, regular or low, would be like your dial up or slow speed internet. They can do fine, but they have to stay online. They get disruptions and online, they can't assimilate the information they need and so their grades begin to fall. A bright person can still make good grades but not pay attention very much or have to very long. And so they may not even be identified till they get to college where the ideas are so complex that they can't get it with brief attention. They've got to stay online. And now they start falling behind in things. Is this condition genetic? Absolutely. There are genetic components to this. In fact, um, genetics uh, contribute to 75% of the cases of ADHD. So it very strongly runs in families. And this has been done uh, by looking at twin studies and other types of genetic studies. And we've actually identified some of the genes involved. There is a single gene polymorphism. That means one amino acid is replaced with another amino acid in one single gene that codes for an enzyme that breaks down dopamine in the prefrontal cortex. And if you have one version of the gene, that enzyme is much more active and it breaks down your dopamine much more rapidly than if you have the other version of the gene. And if you have that version of the gene that that breaks it down very rapidly, then your dopamine in your prefrontal cortex isn't signaling as well as the person who breaks it down slowly. And therefore, you don't pay attention. You're more distractible. Your working memory is impaired because of this single gene polymorphism. And there isn't any real lifestyle, dietary exercise or sleep issue that can fix that. Uh, The only really thing that can help that is to take some medicine to augment your dopamine signaling. Well, that's what I wanted to say right now, speaking for all people who have it or all people who have children who have it. What do we do, Dr. Jennings? Help us. The first thing to do is to identify whether you really have it or you have one of the mimickers. There was one study that showed that children with certain sleep disorders, sleep apnea of childhood because of large tonsils, if they had the tonsillectomy and had their sleep normalized, then their attention symptoms resolved. Hmm. So the the first thing you want to do is make sure you've got the true uh, attention problem and not some other thing. Uh, Other factors besides the the gene polymorphism, though, that can alter the developing brain so that brain doesn't develop with the normal attentional or signaling capacities in prefrontal cortex would be a woman who either drinks alcohol or smokes cigarettes while she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. That actually changes the fetal developing brain so those children actually have more attention problems. Their brains are not the same as those brains would have been. Had the mother not done that, uh, those children very likely would not have had attention problems, but they really do have attention problems now, and it's not something that they can simply fix because they don't smoke or drink. Mom did this to them while they were pregnant. 
premature children because they're just out of the womb and there's certain developmental things happen in the last trimester of pregnancy that are important for brain development. And if they're very early preemies, early preemies have higher rates of attention problems later in life than full-term babies. Children who were exposed to lead in their water or in their food during their childhood get brain damage from that that causes attention deficit disorder. Their prefrontal cortex don't work well, so they're distractible, they're inattentive, they can be hyperactive. You've identified tobacco and alcohol in in children. I suppose that works in young people and adults too. It creates a problem in the brain, those two things? If you don't have attention deficit disorder and you drink and smoke later in life, you will not develop attention deficit disorder. By definition, attention deficit disorder is there in childhood. You can develop some other cognitive problem. If you drink to the point of damaging your brain, then there are other types of disorders you can develop, a Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome, alcoholic dementia, other types of problems, but that would not be attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So there's evidence that show that children who watch a lot of theatrical television, Hmm. if you understand normal physiology, here's a, a design law, the law of exertion. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it because if you don't use it, you lose it. That's not just for physical muscles. It's for all of the circuits of the brain. If you want strong math ability, you've got to work problems, strong musical skill. You've got to practice your instrument. So normal brain development, the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain where we pay attention. We focus, we, we resist impulses, we concentrate, we problem solve. If children watch a lot of theatrical television, that's entertainment television, mm-hmm. entertainment television activates the emotion circuits of the brain while suspending the exercise of the reason circuits of the brain or the thinking circuits of the brain. And so multiple studies show that the more time watching theatrical television, the higher rates of inattention or attention deficit problems, not because they have the gene polymorphism, but because they don't exercise those circuits of the brain to develop those capacities for reason, for concentration, for attention, for being able to stay on task. They actually develop their brain's in ways that impair their ability to stay on task. And so the brain is pliable. And regardless of our our genetics, our brain is still in that state of flux. And so the studies show that kids who learn how to meditate by basically concentrating or focusing on a single point for 5, 10, 15 minutes, they're exercising their attention circuits. And because they're exercising their attention circuits, those attention circuits will get stronger and their inattention will be diminished by doing that. That doesn't necessarily mean they will ever get to a point of somebody who doesn't have ADHD, but it will improve it. Sounds like you're saying they need to get off the internet and get out in the nature. Am I right in saying that? Well, internet doesn't necessarily mean theatrical entertainment. It depends on what you're doing on the internet. Okay, so information gathering would not be included in that then. No, information Uh gathering is uh, something that would require you to organize, plan, attend, uh, prioritize, uh, et cetera, et cetera, to gather the information. People ask about game playing, uh, video game playing. Video game playing does not have the same consequence either because the video game requires you to attend, organize, plan, strategize, a lot of prefrontal cortex activity going on in that. So theatrical entertainment, though, and if you think about it, when you're watching TV, it suspends reason. You're not thinking, (laughs) and it really does. And so that's the consequence to that. Some people ask about sugar. What about sugar in the diet? The data shows that sugar has no relationship to the development of ADHD at all. They did an interesting study where children whose mothers thought they had ADHD were randomized into groups. One group got a sugary drink. Another group got a a sugar substitute drink. And the mothers were asked to evaluate whether their kids on the sugary drink did better or worse than on the substitute. And all the mothers documented that the kids did worse. 
first, but in actuality, they were reversed. Hmm. Uh, they were actually getting sugar when the mothers thought they were getting a sugar substitute and the other way. And the mothers rated them worse when they were getting the sugar substitute than they were getting sugar. Hmm. So there's really no evidence of that. However, there is evidence that certain food additives can interfere with normal prefrontal cortex signaling. And this is important to clarify because people will say, well, ADHD is caused by the wrong food. No, it's not. One of the ADHD mimickers mm. is caused by the wrong food, just like the sleep disorder looks like ADHD. So if certain food allergies or certain food insensitivities in certain children that then have ADHD syndrome, if you remove those foods from them, then their neural signals are normal and they don't have ADHD. They don't have ADHD. They have an ADHD-like syndrome that is caused by having the wrong foods or food additives like certain food artificial colorings in certain studies have been shown to do that. Um, that's not ADHD. Dr. Jennings, I know a lot of our listeners are listening to you right now and saying, hey, has Dr. Jennings written a book on this? Is this information included in one of your many books? It is not, but it is on our website. Okay. So if they go to our website and just type in the search engine on the website, ADHD, they'll find an article that documents all these with references and so forth. So they can they can look at that. So what you ask, what can somebody do? First thing to do is get a good professional evaluation. There are standardized tests that can be done that can document this. You want a good physical exam as well. Make sure there's not a sleep disorder. Make sure there's not a nutritional deficiency. Make sure there's not some significant allergy issue going on. But if at the end of the day, there is a documentable attention deficit problems, it's important that some type of treatment be done. And they've looked at this with very, very expensive studies, medication versus other types of intervention, like having your own personal social worker go to school with you and sit beside you all day and help you with your classwork all day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody's going to be able to do that, but they did studies where they did that for the kids. And what the study showed was that uh, medicines worked better than having your own individual hmm. professional mental health person there to help you do everything all day. For the core symptoms of attention, your distractibility, attention, ability, able to stay on task, problem solving, medicines worked better. The social workers worked better for interpersonal interaction. Well, we have learned a lot today, and Dr. Jennings has filled us in on ADHD, and like he said, there is more information about that on the website, comeandreason.com is that site, comeandreason.com. Books and magazine articles and blogs and just all kinds of good stuff. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. And until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music> 